You're listening to a Big Finish production. You've got to do the meep, Nick. Meep. I didn't even know that was a call. I couldn't even hear it then. But um, yes, welcome to the music podcast where we talk about music, don't we, Nick? No. My guitar's hideously out of tune. Look at that. Let's just play a clip of the Star Beast. That's a starship in a geostationary orbit around the Earth. A starship doesn't belong in a geostationary orbit around the Earth. It's caught my TARDIS and attracted me. On the bright side, it dislodged my maracas. This is the Big Finish Podcast, launched on the 31st of March, 2019. Well, it's the end of March and what's going on at BigFinish.com? All sorts of delights for your ears. I'm Benji Clifford, not to be confused with Benji Clipboard, and he's Nick Briggs. It's very musical today, Benji. It is. It's like one of those musical classes, isn't it? And now, this is the G chord. (laughs) And here's what's coming up in this week's podcast. We're going behind the scenes with the Star Beast. (laughs) Sorry, I'll put this this away. I'm just being a pest. So explain what that is, Nick. Immediately. 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 Where are my swimming trunks? Would you like a finger sandwich? <laughs> what a throwback. Anyway, I, I'm not going to even explain that ridiculous joke. I'm so sorry. Well, explain what the Star Beast is. Well, it's an adaptation of a comic strip of the same name written by Pat Mills back in the day uh, for Doctor Who Weekly. And we adapted it with Colin Baker. Uh, lots of great fun. It's a really wacky adventure. Then we'll be teasing you with our latest Doctor Who short trip, Doctors and Dragons, by range producer Alfie Shaw. It's the seventh Doctor story performed by Sophie Aldred and directed by Lisa Bowerman. And we're going to give you a lovely slice of it. Yes. Sounds yummy if you ask me. Then after that, we'll activate the Randomoid Selectatron and we'll give you a 25% off. It's pretty good, a 25% discount, pretty <laughs> rocking there. And that's off a randomly selected release from the Big Finish archives. More on that one later. And finally, we will tease you with 15 minutes of the Star Beast, the aforementioned Star Beast, eh? Nice. But first, <laughs> let's do those emails from you lovely listeners. I just imagined you when you say, you lovely listener. I imagine you as a sort of magician. <laughs> we'll pick somebody from the lovely audience. Cue the emails. So if you want to email us, and I love an email, I'm sure some of you do too. Um, I, I hear so. even the birds like emails. The birds, the bees, the uh, the foxes, and the Mr. Smees. They all love an email. And you can email us at podcast at bigfinish.com. It's as simple as that. You know, it's just, you know, it's just sort of sending an email. And uh, here's the first one. It's from Adam Graham. And uh, here it goes. Hmm. 
Dear N and B. This email really looks like a, a, a real business document, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Looks like I should of... sign something at the bottom, like a contract <laughs> or something. First of all, uh, whilst I'm almost a year late, I have to say that Ghost Walk is Peter Davison's best big finish performance and his second best overall performance as the Doctor in any medium. Wow. Well done to everyone on that production. It was James well, Goss, I, wasn't it? It was James Goss. Yeah, I did a bit of music on that one as well. A yeah. Wonderfully spooky story. Um, highly recommend that one. It's one of my favourites. Is it Barnaby Edwards on. directed it? Certainly was. Barnaby Edwards directing that one. Um, yeah, just great fun. Really sc- quite scary, actually. Some dark big finish. Yeah. So, yeah, check that it's one out. Ghost Walk, isn't it? I would have thought it would be quite yeah. scary. Oh no, no, no! It's not about ghosts, though. No, no, it's about flowers and little candy floss trees and oh, tiny lovely. little boats and yes, and rubber That'd ducks. Be nice, and, yeah, it? it's lovely. Have a cup of tea and a slice of cake. Uh, secondly. Uh, secondly the reason I heartily agree with this email regarding the length of podcasts I also understand your reasons for cutting them up uh, to the length of time that Nick spends editing Nick is of course in charge of that limited resource known as the time as Nicholas Briggs Um, however I can't help but think Nick doing podcast editing wouldn't be unlike Steven Spielberg editing all the press releases sent out for his movies if I were Nick I'd probably delegate the podcast editing or get a freelancer to handle the podcast editing uh, if that's legal in the uk no it's not legal i do have opinions on what thanks segments for the Sp- sh- thanks for the spielberg analogy there i do have opinions on what segments should go in the podcast and how often mm-hmm. number one big finished news I get Nick's point about not needing it every week, though it can be kind of nice to know if the release that you've been waiting for is coming. However, oftentimes the Big Finish news would tease things about to come on uh, on the website. There's probably less of that kind of stuff during this first part of the year, but maybe do Big Finish news once a month and add Big Finish breaking news where appropriate. Mm. Breaking news, that's fun, that's isn't it? That's a good it? idea, yeah. Uh, latest releases once a month is good you get a cherry pick and I think coming up with them every week is an editing slash research or research nightmare agreed number three podcast interview I miss these but I have mixed feelings as they all ask the same questions I think you all designated staff have interviewed so many people that you'd end up repeating although people's entertainment guilty pleasures as such may change probably doesn't merit a new interview i'd suggest seeing these maybe once a month and getting people who haven't been interviewed number four archive tease it's interesting to hear the background on old releases maybe get others to record their thoughts on releases and do it once a month and five emails every week Uh, obviously I understand that you can do you can only do what you can do and you have to balance many factors to make this work thanks for all that you do Adam Graham sent from a five cent advice stand in a residential neighbourhood there's some good stuff there isn't there Uh, thank you for that Adam thank you for taking the time to think through it all Um, yeah it's just uh, the, the problem of getting someone else to do it it's splink. difficult. What did you say? Splink. <laughs> yes. Yeah, splink. 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 Think before you cross the road. What did splink stand for? Stands. St- st- profanity. 
Uh, <laughs> Lie down. It's such a stupid word, isn't it? Splink. It's John Pertwee's road safety commercial. Anyway, um, public information film, I suppose, really. Yes, well, we are going to put in a few little news items here and there. We are going to put in an email every week, as well as an email section once every month. Yeah, latest releases or latest reviews once a month. The interviews are difficult because they are time-consuming to source, and I did try to get other people to do them, but uh, it's quite difficult to persuade other people to do interviews for the podcast because they're busy interviewing people for their own purposes. And that, that source, people seem to have stopped doing podcast-style interviews for us. That's why they stopped. People stopped doing them for us, and I wasn't getting to the studio to do them. So, yeah archive tees we've sort of dropped that really but it might be quite nice every now and again to talk to someone about their old stories hmm. okay next uh, email this one's from david humphrey who worryingly supplies us with his postal address and mobile phone number i shan't abuse <laughs> that info uh, and i won't read it out um, hi Benji and Nick I love the podcast I was disappointed to notice recently that it got shorter I look forward to this uh, I look forward to this and the Benji and Nick show which is the other podcast that Benji and I do each Monday and I don't think either could be too long smiley emoji David David Humphrey point well made and taken thanks for listening as well awesome yeah, stuff really appreciate, appreciate it appreciate that oh we both said at the same time aren't we we're in sync aren't we Nick we're in, a, in, we're a, in, a, we're in a massive sync I, I'm in the bath don't turn the tap on. I'm in the sink. <laughs> this one is from Laurie Willis. Dear Nick and Benji, I just finished listening to this week's podcast and I wanted to chime in on your general call to email with input on the podcast length. I admit to being surprised when the podcast duration was trimmed down and I do miss the longer format sometimes, but also, to your point made during today's podcast, it did sometimes run a little too long previously. Uh, Obviously, no two weeks are the same. I would never have commented on it if you hadn't asked though because i figured it was a scheduling issue uh, and you have to do what you have to do to balance all your work and your life the one thing i feel nags at me the most about this new format of tackling just one item per week and then have a drama tease is that the chat portion of the podcast is only 15 20 minutes I appreciate the weekly drama teases because Big Finish has so much to offer and getting these little bits of story, uh, getting in these little bits of story is a nice insight into different ranges or releases. However, in a way, they feel separate from the podcast, which makes the podcast feel shorter than it actually is. That said, I absolutely appreciate the need for you to make changes to how you manage your time. And if I had to choose between a longer podcast and more full-length Big Finish releases, brackets without delays, I would definitely choose more full-length releases. I can and will adjust to a shorter podcast smiley face. Thank you for everything you do to bring these amazing worlds to life and for all the work you put into the podcast. Sincerely, Laurie Willis. Excellent. Thanks for that lovely, uh, thoughtful email there. And um, interesting, isn't it? You know, everybody seems to have different aspects of the podcast that they like. Mm. Um, hopefully, our little adjustment to it, it kind of makes a little difference and finds a, a healthy middle ground so that me and Nick can chat a little bit and uh, talk about the yeah, strange things that we do. And it's interesting that, of course, I mean, I, c- I have 
never written into a podcast or a TV show or anything or never phone up a phone in. So most people don't. Most people just absorb entertainment and enjoy it and don't say anything about it. Because the point I was just about to make, which is probably quite fatuous given what I've just said, nobody's really ever offered much of an opinion about the content of the podcast. But then I ask people to, so it's my own fault. Um, but like the interview, for example, when... Um, uh, uh, Adam earlier was talking about the interview and missing it you know no one ever wrote in to say they enjoyed those interviews so you know what I mean while you're doing it because no one specifically un, in an unprovoked way praises you you kind of think maybe this is just a waste of time because no one's saying they like it so so I think that's yeah. another reason that those so it's, it's nice to know now that people did enjoy it and we maybe we'll try to get a few more interviews and finally this one from Andy Ritz hello Benji and Nick I've got two questions that I hope will be brief for you first have you ever considered doing a previously on Doctor Who stroke Torchwood stroke whatever range recap at the beginning of select releases that continue on from a cliffhanger not that I'm complaining about having to listen to more of the brilliant Tom Baker and Jane Slavian but I was trying to listen to Time's Assassin earlier which is the first one in the uh, volume 2 of series 8 and realised I barely remembered most of the full sky Guardian, which is the last one in volume one of series eight. I'm just adding that info in for you. So I had to go back and give it another listen. I don't mind. I, uh, it'd be nice to have just a quick recap to make it easier to listen to even more new Big Finish. Mm, that's a good point. We have done a few recaps here and there, but yeah, maybe we should do that. It's just another job for someone to work out. We don't have a trailers department. Uh, someone would have to have to work out how it would go. Yeah. Second, is there any update on the website upgrades you've discussed in older podcasts? If I remember right, weren't those supposed to go live in 2017 or so? Oh, you're so right, Andy. I can't. I can't even talk about it. It, it, it stresses me too much. But um, <laughs> and I and I I almost daren't even say honestly something is. I'm told on its way soon, but I'll believe it when it arrives. All the best, Andy Ritz jolly good stuff there thank you very much for that email andy uh, and that is the end of the emails isn't it mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. so it goes so it went but more soon keep them coming time now to go behind the scenes with the star beast from doctor who the comic strip adaptation starring tom baker this is a spoiler free report and remember we're teasing you with the first 15 minutes of the star beast at the end of this podcast okay let's have a go at this and cue there's a mystery here a starship in a geostationary orbit around the earth in this epoch yes and that alien voice called me someone's accomplice I wonder if there's anything up down below. Bingo! U, F and O. Good thinking, Doctor. The Star Beast is, I think, the second ever Doctor Who comic strip in Doctor Who Weekly. I think all of us fans from them days, we remember it because of Beep the Meep. 
just like the Iron Legion, the, the style is very different. The style of storytelling, it, it does feel very much like a, a comic strip come to life. And certainly uh, Tom Baker notices the difference. And I said when we were recording first with him on this one, he, I said, I was expecting an email from you, Tom. He went, no, no, no. I, I think he's got to sort of used to the craziness we throw at him. But yes, it, it's a different kettle of fish, really, because also Alan is trying to capture the spirit of the comic strip not just in a broad sense, but also by using some of the very specific lines, the, the things that Pat Mills wrote for the Doctor, were again not the sort of things necessarily that Tom Baker's Doctor would say, or certainly wasn't saying on television, but they were an extrapolation of what we knew of his character, and we could sort of well imagine him saying those things. It's strange, and it usually I have you know, big speeches where we have arguments about principles, and here you've got all these comic people and the meeps uh, being brilliantly played by uh, Beth and Dixon Bate and uh, the thing is that they're all doing it in a kind of a Yorkshire accent which is a good accent for comedies so so is Lan Lancashire and it's uh, sometimes <laughs> it's reminiscent of Coronation Street really isn't it but of course there are monsters there and I'm, I'm the know-all as usual producing the whole thing I think hinges on my um sonic screwdriver which gets funnier and funnier as the years go by certainly before the series got rebooted i think but i you know i've always been slightly aware you know doctor who only actually seems to exist for most of the time in that sort of you know in this in this quite enclosed bit of lovely bit of southeast england you know mm -hmm. uh, whereas most people's streets so, or, or it's in the southwest where people speak like yokels like you know but and there's there's nothing else i mean i don't think ireland's ever existed in the doctor who universe you know scotland only exists for terror of the zygons and as for that sort of bit between you know the watford gap and you know i mean the, the, <laughs> watford, the, the watford gap is somewhere that exists in you know the, the film of the dalek invasion of earth and, and then there's just scotland after that there's nothing there's literally nothing in between yeah and, and you know it's something that does need addressing and funnily enough i mean the star beast the the local character's dialect isn't actually written in it, it isn't written in being broad yorkshire or whatever but I mean, clearly, there's only one place where you find a steel mill, and clearly, you know, you look at those streets with the the little back alleys, the the ginnels. I think that that added sort of authenticity in the in well, semi authenticity in the character writing and in the, in the world they inhabit makes for that lovely Doctor Who contrast between you know the mundane and the the bizarre, and that's what that's what Doctor Who really is. It's it's you know normally you have you know the Doctor represents the the mundane, the worldly character, sort of coming into the bizarre situation, sort of you know putting things into sort of you know words that everyone can understand. But you know this is the mundane world. You know is is everything in this. It's almost like it's the, the the aliens can't function in it. The aliens are struggling to comprehend this 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 world, which is so bizarre to them. Which I, I had a lot of fun with um, the the constables, the the Ruath constables, you know, because they're, they're just trying to comprehend this place where people have their flesh on the outside, you know, and, and mm. you know, what are these birds, and you know, just like yeah, just had a lot of fun with that. As Alan Barnes has said, this was like a blueprint for a reinvention of Doctor Who on television, whereas The Iron Legion was more like a movie. This was like a sort of a different version of Doctor Who that could have happened on television. It's very modern and very different, and nothing like Doctor Who was in those days on television. I am Bethan Dixon-Bate, and I'm playing Meep. Beth describes, I think, as a blue hamster who's eaten a beach ball. Cute, but monstrous fantastic basically lovely let's do one more 
Beep. It wasn't my fault, Doctor. It was the Black Sun made me do such terrible, terrible things. Meep, meep. Perhaps. I know originally when we did do a Beep the Meep story ages ago, uh, our good old friend Toby Longworth played Beep the Meep. But it seemed to me that it should be a cutesy female voice, even though it's a male character. And I just thought it's going to have an effect on it. But then I remember my old friend uh, Bethan Dixon Bate, who I met 20 odd years ago when I did a tour of Brideshead Revisited. And um, I bumped into her recently at one of those uh, a sort of voiceover seminar thing that some people asked me to speak at, which was ridiculous. Why, why should I speak at something like that? But there you go. And uh, it reminded me of her and she kept in touch. And I thought, and she, as you'll hear from Bethan's voice, she's got a really unique quality to her voice. And I thought it would work very well and that she would play it with great relish. And she has. I'm the doctor. You must be Sharon. Where are you shooting lasers back there? No, lasers were shooting themselves. Eh? It's great you get to play with aliens all day. <laughs> and it's such a laugh. Everyone, you know, has been amazing. The script is just bonkers. I mean, bonkers in a great way. But obviously having not done anything kind of aliens, spacey, multi-universe type, anything like that before, it's um, it's a whole new world and it's, it's great. It's kind of like going back to being a kid. Well, I mean, Sharon is kid in it um but yeah it's just that element of play i suppose that's that we get to experience here yeah it's great rianne starbuck is someone uh, who uh jason hay gallery uh, knew and suggested to us uh, as a brilliant actor to play this part she's been great and her voice is just right for that uh, younger girl she's doesn't really believe in aliens and spaceships at the beginning and then she takes quite a liking to the um, alien that they that they find and is quite protective over him she's very tough i think she's experienced quite a lot in her own past she's um fostered so she's with everything i suppose that she's been through she is quite deep down she's very strong so when it is coming to, you know, a fighting with the aliens and things like that, she's she's a tough tough one. Very tough, yeah. <laughs> the brilliant thing about working with Ben, he's such a natural, he's got such a natural realism to his voice. And sometimes it's quite difficult to get a younger actor doing that sort of realism to sort of give the performance the the kind of operatic energy you sometimes need for a Doctor Who story. So he was constantly looking over at me like, are you mad when I gave him a note? But bless him, he threw his heart into it. The hilarious thing about working with someone as young as him, he's only 19, I'm 56, he's 19. There is a huge cultural chasm between us. There's a linguistic chasm between us as well. And things, phrases that I just take as read, as things that everyone would understand, he has no idea. I mean, here's a silly little example in the script. He was asked a question by one of the Wrath, and he's, his response was, search us as it was written, but it's meant to be search us, which means we don't know. But he just said, search us, because he didn't. And I said, you know, it means well, search me. He'd never heard of that phrase either. And it's really difficult suddenly to explain something to someone when they have no... It's like suddenly all the language between you has disappeared. You, can, you can't explain something that seems so obvious. And like I'm having difficulty explaining it now. So we had lots of funny moments like that where... I thought that if I just said a few words to him, he'd immediately understand and he'd literally turn away from the mic, look at me through the glass and almost scratch his head and sort of 
And I knew he's thinking, what is that old bloke going on about? <laughs> a lot of people say that to me. I must say that's very perceptive of you, Fudge. <laughs> Question ain't who he is. Question is who that lot with pincers and tentacles are and what they want with me. Doubly perceptive. I think you and I are going to get along just famously. I would have been 10 when the, the Starbeast came out. And, and in that way, you know, you, you do identify with slightly older kids, you know, because you want to be, you know, sort of slightly bigger. So I think I did see uh, quite a lot of myself um, in Fudge, especially. You know, I did sort of, you know, identify as that character to some degree. So, yes, don't forget that there's a 15-minute drama tease of the Star Beasts coming up pretty darn soon. In the meantime, though, here's another tease. Oh, we like tea, don't we? This time, it's Doctor Who short trips Doctors and Dragons by Alfie Shaw, directed by Lisa Bauman and performed by Sophie Aldred Ace. So get your D20 dice ready. (laughs) Little geeky little thing at the end there. Big Finish presents Doctor Who Short Trips Doctors and Dragons by Alfie Shaw Read by Sophie Aldred Decker had wondered many times about how she would die. In battle would have been her preference, whilst slaying the last of the dragons entombed atop Mount Isinglir, or bravely ridding the Vashnar swamps of the Bubble Witches. Yet, during these contemplations, she had never considered the possibility of being poisoned far from the battlefield. She mused on this as she lay swaddled in the comfort of her own bed, her blood laced with poison. Here lies Decker, she thought, killed by an enemy too cowardly to fight. I will tell them you died slaying bark demons, said Rhea, or saving a child's kitten who ran into the woods. Decker turned her head to look at Rhea. She was hunched over a cauldron, stirring the contents. Every stir was driven by the fury of those who fight the inevitable. Rhea had fought death many times and triumphed, It would not win today. Cats bring me out in rashes, Decker protested through a fit of coughing. Even better, said Rhea. A dangerous voyage into the dark woods. You beat down the evil bark demons, but, oh no, you are mortally wounded. You scoop up the distressed cat, heroically carry yourself home, skin itching as you go. You clamber through the door. Tell me to give the moggy back to Hernus and die of your wounds in bed. I take said cat. Decker started coughing heavily. Hernus doesn't have a cat, said Decker, wiping her mouth with her sleeve. No, but she's always wanted one, said Rhea. She looked over at the mirror that hung above Decker's bed. She could see, floating above her head, a shifting kaleidoscope of numbers. Nine... 20, 3, 17. The changes became sluggish and then ceased. The number 19 hung in the air. Rhea smiled to herself as it faded away. The potion would work. Decker would live. Decker, however, lay in ignorance of her good fortune. She spied Rhea's smile 
and thought it in terrible taste. So, this is the end of it? she inquired, hope hanging off every syllable. Rhea shook her head. Fate has granted a respite. This will slow the poison, but neutralising it will require something very rare. Rhea's reply irritated Decker. The only thing worse than a dishonourable death was a dishonourable death delayed. Yet she knew better than to question Rhea on such matters. Rhea seemed to have some insight that eluded Decker, always knowing before she finished something how it would turn out. Decker was lucky to have such a guardian. Ladling the potion into a little bowl, Rhea helped pour it down Decker's throat. I'll be gone for a couple of days. Shouldn't take any longer, said Rhea. I'll get Gavarosh to tend you while I'm away. And what is so important that you're going to leave me alone with the most boring man in the world? Decker asked. The blood of a dragon, replied Rhea. The severity of the task hung in the air. Decker was the first to break it. You will get it, won't you? A kitten for Hernus? I should, Rhea began. Rhea, I'm serious. I, I don't want... Th this isn't... Rhea rested her hand on Decker's shoulder. I promise I'll get it, said Rhea. Everything froze went a striking shade of yellow, and then slowly faded to nothing. And that is why your ward must die, Rhea said, as she closed the magic window. The journey to the peak of Mount Isinglir had been arduous, but she had finally arrived at the Temple of the Dragon. The faded red walls were iced with snow and the imposing doors were locked. When she initially tried to open them, she had had this reaffirmed to her by the temple's most unusual guardian. He was built like a goblin and carried a curious scabbard with a curved red hilt. As I said before, I'm afraid I can't let you do that. The dragon isn't to be disturbed, the little man replied. But perhaps there is something I could do for your sister. I'm the doctor. Not good enough, Rhea declared. And there you have it. Now then, let's activate the randomoid selectatron. Activating the randomoid selectatron as we speak and... It's 191 Signs and Wonders. Signs and Wonders. 1914? 2014 this came out. So this was main range, wasn't it? Twas. Twas, twas, twas. Twas ever thus. Written by Matt Fitton. Directed yes, by Ken Bentley. Starring Sylvester McCoy, Sophie Aldred and Philip Olivier. Yeah. Oh, Jessica Martin as well, actually. Yeah, not but playing Not playing Mags. Mags. Yeah, how strange. <laughs> the Reverend Janet Green. I remember this. And Warren Brown. Oh. Who's beautiful performer uh Gemma Churchill oh goodness me yeah, she was in Creatures of Beauty as well one of the things I remember about this release and I was very relieved I was right is that what an amazing cover isn't it have a look at that it's gorgeous yeah I remember funny thing is as soon as I saw it I completely remembered it yeah yeah cool stuff I think it's Tom Webster yes it is it's Tom Webster of course it. it is absolutely amazing yeah lovely um Okay, well, we're going to give you 25% off that. 
And, You're not. Um, yeah. Do you, oh, yeah. Explain how that can occur, Benji. To get 25% off, all you have to do is go to bigfinish.com forward slash offers forward slash V for victory uh, forward slash randomoid and enter the code buck up. All capital letters, no spaces, and no messing about at the back there. Simmons, I've told you once. <laughs> Honestly. And so now, can you believe it? It's time to join Tom Baker Shah. and the gang for more misadventures. And for BBC News fans of old, uh, whether there are any, I don't know, uh, you're about to get a bit of a treat dum, after, dum, after dum, the theme dum, tune. Dum, o'clock on Wednesday the 20th of February 1980. In Yorkshire, gas board officials are investigating the cause of last night's explosion at the Black Castle steel mills. No one is thought to have been injured in the blast, which blew out windows up to half a mile away. Meanwhile, eyewitness reports claiming that an unidentified flying object was seen low in the skies above Black Castle just prior to the explosion have been roundly dismissed by local councillor Ron Sheffield. For Pete's sake, it was just some low-flying aircraft. Any folks saying they've seen a UFO from Mars want to get their eyes tested. <laughs> Believe me, Black Castle's last place on Earth aliens would want to visit. In other news, the Ministry of Defence report into the military manoeuvres that caused accidental damage to homes in the village of Stockbridge last October has been denounced as a white... See you later! I'm a monster, I'm a monster. Fudge! You're a wazzock, that's what you are, nearly scared us to death. <laughs> You're fair. Get yourself gone if you've just come round to be horrible. Oh, come on, Sharon. I mean it, Fudge. I'd sooner get to school on my own. Hey, I only came round to warn you. Warn me about what? Duh, the thing. The it. Creature from another world who's come to eat our brains. Don't want to be hanging around with you then, do I? I'd have no chance if the it's got to choose between us. Hey, now who's being horrible? Look, just buzz off, will you? All right, all right, Pax. Pax, Shar. Pax. Pax, then. He's still a wazzock, mind. It's true, though. About Monster. They even had it on news last night. No, they didn't. They said anyone who reckons they saw UFO wants to get their head examined. Debbie Kerbishley said her mum saw it while she was putting out cat. All on fire, she said it were. Fudge. Debbie Kerbishley said she met the Fonz in the Golden Egg that time and he asked her out. Well, yeah. Like the Fonz had asked Debbie Kerbishley out. Of course. <laughs> He's in the Golden Egg all the time. Seriously, though, it weren't just her mum who saw UFO. And there's police blocking roads around the mills still. I saw them on the way around. Well, there would be. There's been an explosion. They're only saying that because they don't want to cause panic. But really, it's because they know there's an alien monster on the... L What's up now? Sharon, what colour's alien blood, you suppose? I don't know. 
You're the sci-fi expert. Sci-fi? Won't be red, though, will it? What does it matter? Fudge, we'll be late. I say it's green. Whatever it is. Look, Fudge, I'm not getting a lunchtime detention. Don't move! You're going to dread in it. Treading what? Oh. There. Green blood. Alien blood. You don't want to tread in alien blood. It might be acid. It's just paint, Dimbo. Hey, careful, Shara. It's not acid. See? Still wet, though. Don't smell much like paint. All in a trail. Crossroad down footpath towards allotment. Fudge, we are not going to follow it. Hyperspace jump completed. Planet Sol 3 in sight. That is where the radiation trail leads. It is, sir. Then pinpoint the target at once. Regret to inform you, sir, the, the radiation trail has become dispersed in the planet's stratosphere. Point of impact may only be determined by scanning at ground level. Is the planet inhabited? Records indicate it is home to many species. Birds, fish, reptiles, and also to creatures named humans. Humans? That is what it says in our files. Show me these humans. Yes, sir. They don't have exoskeletons. No, sir. Those outer hides. That skin, isn't it? Yes, sir. Any species unable to evolve a more efficient covering is an evolutionary dead end. What are your orders, sir? If only I had the ordnance, I'd order a mass missile strike. Take the whole damn planet out. But that would not be fair on the birds, the fish and the reptiles. You and your bleeding hearts, Reek. Continue scanning all frequencies. Our target cannot have disappeared. Now there's mud in me shoes. That's weird. What's weird is how I let you talk me into this. The trail just stops here. Only it can't just stop, can it, Shaq? Fudge, if I get a lunchtime detention, they'll send a letter home. I don't want school to send a letter home, all right? Got it. This must be where Mothership came and beamed the monster up. From allotments? Yeah. We'd best warn someone. Rhubarb patch might be radioactive, like our nan's cauliflower cheese. Fudge, your nan's cauliflower cheese ain't radioactive. I mean, anyone eats it, they die. Oh, your monster went and hid in one of these sheds. Don't be stupid, they're all locked up. This one ain't. Padlock's hanging off. Like it's been lasered. Get off. If it had been lasered, it'd be all melted. There you go. Come on, Fudge, there's no here. I suppose you're right. Shit, we missed our close encounter. Hold on. There is someone in there. Nah, the monster got beamed up probably. You're right, we should go. You heard it, Fudge. Like someone knocked over a paint can or something. What's doing? You're mad. If we're caught, someone will think we broke lock. They'll think we've been nicking stuff. Like what? Cauliflowers. Hello? Anyone in there? Sure, it might be a tramp. Yeah, it's February and I don't know if you've noticed, but it's freezing. So? So, it might be someone in need of help. <sighs> oh, heck. It is an alien. Run, Shar, run! Fudge! I think he's crying. Hello. It's all right. We're not we're not gonna hurt you. Meep. Meep. My name's Sharon. Sharon. What's yours? Meep. Meep. 
Ain't much of a name, is it? Meep. Bit weedy. That's fudge. Ignore him, Meep. Everyone else does. I'm just saying, not much to look at, is he? Your Meep. Like a hamster swallowed a beach ball. And them ears, they're just stupid. What do you expect an alien to look like, bird brain? I think he's sweet. Don't get too close, he might have space mange. He was bleeding, remember? Are you hurt? It's alright, you can show me. Oh, nasty. Give us your scarf, Fudge. What for? To mop up blood, stupid. Uh, it's me Black Castle Wanderer's scarf. Give us the scarf. Alright, if it means so much to you. Tell him it's gonna cost him, mind. <coughs> That's right, cost you. Secret of interstellar travel, at least. Fudge, furthest you've been is at your posh aunties in Leicester. So maybe I want to broaden my horizons. Today, Black Castle, tomorrow the moons of Jupiter. Yeah, and while you're bouting, Meep, I'll want an anti-gravity suit to fly with, a time compressor to make a school day last five minutes, and uh, an, an invisible ray. What use is an invisible ray? Well, make myself invisible. Why would you want to make yourself invisible? <laughs> uh, boys. There. Any better? I think the bleeding stopped. <coughs> yeah, but shouldn't we get him down to vets or something? <coughs> alright, I'm only kidding. It's alright. We won't tell no one about you. We promise. Be serious, shall we? We've got to tell someone. I don't know, police or council or someone. No, fudge! We tell anyone. They'll only take him away. Come on, what are they going to do? Put him in zoo? Exactly! We don't want anyone poking their noses in. We found him. He's our alien. Our secret. Our problem, I like. <coughs> you said it, mate. Meep, meep. Sir! Sir! What is it, Zreek? A supraorbital energy trace. There, in the planet's magnetosphere. It is the wrong type of radiation. It cannot be our quarry. No, sir. But it might be an accomplice. I do the thinking, Zreek. It might be an accomplice. Can you pinpoint the source of the energy trace? I can, sir. It's small. Very small. There's a light source on the top. An accomplice bringing an escape capsule, it must be. Ready the dredger beam. Capture that capsule. Fishing rod? No. Gas mask? Nope. Pike staffs? Yeah, perhaps. No. I could have sworn I left them in here somewhere. Part dismantled sonic cannon? No. Can I get that, would you? Can I? That's the exospheric disturbance alarm, and I'm rather busy. Yes, I must find my maracas. I mean, I can't visit Benidorm without my maracas. It just wouldn't do. K9, that alarm is sounding terribly urgent. Wait a minute. K9, he's not even here. I say. That's a starship, in a geostationary orbit around the Earth. A starship doesn't belong in a geostationary orbit around the Earth. Whoa! It's caught my TARDIS and attracted me. On the bright side, it dislodged my maracas. Holy! This is so rough. Now hear this, my warriors. 
The fugitive has gone to ground on the blue-green planet below. But he cannot escape the wrath of Warath. We have identified an accomplice of the target and intercepted their travel capsule. The fugitive is within our grasp. Sweet, dredger beam off. Hola! I said, Hola! Look, whoever you are, the least you could do for a fellow whose space-time ship you shanghaied is Hola back. Yes, and while you're about it, it's as black as pitch in here. So put some lights on. Well, if you won't... Ah, that looks like a light switch. Now, what do I do? Push it, squeeze it, press it, press it and turn it, perhaps, and... Oh! Goodness me, it's a person! I say, did I just press and turn your eyeball? Docking Bay Sentry, suspected accomplice has made an unprovoked attack on your person. Who, who said that? Look, I didn't know it was this Sentry person's eyeball, lit up like that and glowing yellow. It was practically begging to be pushed, squeezed or pressed. Granted... The turning was a little unnecessary. Restrain him! Yes, sir. Yes. In the light of my TARDIS, it's all become clear. What a strange and powerful creature you are, you are. And such interesting armor. Is that real, Kaitin? Please, let's introduce ourselves properly. I'm the Doctor. For the fourth time. Hello. Suspect is carrying grenades. Disarm him at once. Grenades? These are just my marac... Uh, oh, oh yeah, uh, yes, actually, grenades. And if you don't call your sentry off, whoever you are, I'll drop them. Boom! What do you say to that, hmm, hombre? <laughs> I, I'm sorry, clear your throat. <laughs> no, I didn't quite catch that. Spit it out. Excellent sentry. Keep those tongue digits tight over its breathing membrane while you take the grenades from its grasp. Grenades secured, sir. Good. Now, squeeze tighter with your tongue to render it unconscious. I obey. Creature is unconscious, sir. Then relax your tongue, and remove the creature to the medical section. I have a plan. It's alright, Meep. That signal means course clear. Come over yard if you're coming. Don't worry, we're gonna hide you out at Fudge's house till we can work out what to do with you. Come on. Meep, meep. Meep quietly, you. There's folks living either side of us, you know. Through back door, hurry. Are you sure your mum's out, Fudge? It's wash day. She'll be down easy clean all morning. As long as she's not putting in a service wash. Oh, laddie da, service wash. We are that posh. Besides, she goes for the gossip. Now, in, Shar, in, in, in. Through kitchen, into hallway, upstairs. Our room's first one along after the bathroom. <coughs> it's all right. It's any Starsky. <coughs> a cat. One of our earth mammals. He can't hurt you. So long as you are one of old man Loach's pigeons, anyhow. Starsky, mate, this is me. <coughs> oh, be like that, then. 
Yeah, and keep off the main road. You've been listening to a big Finnish production. And don't forget to rate 5 out of 5, if you want to, that is. Uh, don't forget to give us a nice review, and why not subscribe? Go on, go on. You'll enjoy yourself. Yeah. Coming soon from Big Finish Productions, Doctor Who, The Legacy of Time. I don't believe it. Ah, there you are. What kept you? Cocktails? Ah, this should be interesting. Doctor! Hey, hey, Doctor! Who are these strange shouting women? Archaeologists. (laughs) Brilliant. When can we have an adventure? It's already started. Good work! We've had a bit more experience since the last time you met us. We can handle ourselves these days. I can tell! You must have activated his jetpack! It'll take him time to get it under control. I need to link the holes and then pass physically through the breach you arrived through. That sounds too simple. No, it's simple enough. I'll have a couple of men help set up a... Jake, watch out! No, Joe! Get back! No, 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 no! Not many have. I need to get your ship on the same wavelength as mine. Do you mind? I'm Jenny. Did I say that already? Hello, Jenny. I'm the doctor. What? What is happening out there? Things live in the vortex. Vortisaurs. And no, they're usually much warier. I suggest you call a halt to abandoning ship. The multi-haven and cybermen in Singapore. I'm in the eye of the storm. The time storm. Wish me luck! Good luck! You're not from 1751. You have no right to be here either. Release your prisoner and leave. You think you can threaten us? Oh yes, you're outnumbered. And outgunned. But surely she cannot be the doctor? Listen, the next time you need a favour, ask someone else. I have no idea who you are, and I haven't asked you to do anything. Time travel does my head in. Come on, we haven't got all day. Navigational coordinates reprogrammed. Dimensional stabilizers engaged. Temporal buffers online. We're clear for vortex access. Power levels at maximum. Force fields up. Dematerialize. No. Dematerializing. Big finish. We love stories. 